As a team leader, I face new challenges every day. Fortunately, I found Teams Global. Their e-learning platform makes it easy to take hyper-relevant courses like giving and receiving feedback, ownership to action, and managing virtual teams. Teams Global allows me to learn on my schedule and at a price I can afford. Check out Teams Global today at T-E-A-M-E-S-Global.com and become the leader that your team needs you to be. Teams Global has a special gift for you, the listeners of the Building Teams podcast. Use the code PODCAST10, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-0, when checking out for any Teams Global course for a 10% discount on your order. Sign up for a course today. Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co., where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver an exceptional customer experience. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co. Mike and I are looking forward to today's episode. It is our year in review. So we're going to talk about some exciting topics of what we've learned the last year, kind of highlight some of our guest conversations and and just, you know, share our perspectives on uh, 2021. How you doing, Mike? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's uh, it's a nice day here in Raleigh. Things are certainly getting a little chillier, but uh, all in all, things are are going going great. And I think that this is uh, such an exciting episode. You know, we've learned so much uh, in the past year. And, you know, one of the big things that we we obviously try to be here at Teams & Co is constantly learning and constantly reflecting. And as we were, you know, having the conversation right before this podcast and and really over the past couple of weeks, just reflecting on what are the things that we've learned, it was really challenging to narrow them down. Uh, we had so many different directions we could take this podcast, but, you know, we want to be targeted and and have some bite-sized takeaways. So we scoped ourselves as saying, if we could just list five things, what are the five things that we want to take away from this year? And honestly, one of the first things that I just found so helpful was even that process and having this conversation as a team and saying, what are the things that we learned this year? Uh, it, to me, I just felt like that was a, a helpful process and it wasn't one of our five things, but I don't know, Tracy, just, you know, something that I think would be great for our listeners to also engage in. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think we, we get so caught up at the end of the year of planning for next year that we don't kind of do a retrospective on you know, what went well, what maybe didn't go so well, what could we improve next year? And um, unlike you, this is my least favorite time of the year because I don't like the cold. Um, (laughs) And, you know, my pup Wheezy agrees with me. We both bundle up now in the mornings to like go for our morning walk. But the good thing about the end of the year is being able to have conversations like this, right? We can all kind of sit down and say, hey, we've done so much, right? Especially here in Teams & Co. We've had different projects. We've launched Teams Global. There's just been excitement after excitement. Obviously, the podcast has been really successful. We've had so many wonderful guests, but just taking that time to think through it all also gives you a great chance to celebrate, right? Just celebrate our shared wins and and take a moment to reflect and think about how how we did that as a team and and just celebrate everybody's contribution. So it is a, a fun exercise. I, I enjoyed it and would totally recommend it to other teams. Just even just an hour, right? Just sitting with your team for an hour and saying, hey, 
would love your feedback. How do we get better? And and also, what do we what did we do really well? And and let's just take a moment to recognize that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I think it's it's so easy to go from from thing to thing, and uh, you know, there's always the next thing that you need to to do. And I think you know whether you call it a, a plus delta lessons learned, a post mortem, a retrospective, whatever whatever it is. Post mortem, by the way. I don't know where or who came up with that name. That's a terrible name. Um, but I, I, th- I like retrospective a whole lot more. Postmortem sounds so morbid. Um, there's your there's your first takeaway from our lessons learned in 2021. Right. Uh, but I, I think that it's it's such a helpful process. So let's get into it from, from it. our our sort of five things. Again, do not mean to imply this is all we learned. We learned a lot more, but just trying to bucket it. So Tracy, what's number 100%. one? So number one for us was the importance of engaging stakeholders. Uh, Mike and I have been doing a lot of strategic planning this year, not only at Teams & Co., but with all of our clients as well. And as all of our listeners know, this year has just been another year of change, right? And so there's a lot of uh, movement towards having shorter strategic plans. Maybe you're not looking three to five years. Maybe you're looking one to two years, still having that, you know, that long vision but that people just felt like they needed an updated strategic plan and an updated alignment with their organizations. And and one of the things that we saw that was so valuable and made such a difference uh, for organizations as they were going through the process with us was the an openness to include all of the stakeholders in that feedback and kind of data gathering step, right? So we work with organizations to include their team in the process, include the board in the process, interview customers, interview prospective customers. And I think, Mike, you would agree, this was just a a really great way that we saw a lot of organizations be able to level set, see themselves in more of a 360 view and say like, oh, okay, I see how the puzzle pieces are coming together. But it also takes a good amount of bravery as a leader to be able to ask your team and ask your board and ask your customers what their real feedback is and what they see as your value proposition it's it's a risk, right? Like they, they may have some feedback that's hard to hear, um, but the organizations that we worked with just did such a great job at taking this feedback and using it as a strong foundation. And and in that way, I just feel like they got to such a better answer and, and more alignment and were, were able to hit the ground running with their strategic plans. But would, would love to hear more of what you thought, Mike, on, the, on those projects and kind of your perspective. Yeah, one interesting thing for me was in in several engagements that we had working with clients, we we heard leaders tell us, "Oh no, we're we're aligned." We, for instance, we have an aligned uh, mission. Everybody's behind it, and I think leaders often have a perspective that's divergent from that of their teams, and that's no fault of anybody's. It's just it, it is really hard as a leader to to have your finger firmly on the pulse of all the stakeholders that matter. So. The importance of of one gathering to the date the the data for the data's sake, right? Like actually having a your finger on the pulse of the organization is so important. And and we often talk about the compass and thinking about your organization like a compass. So you know, as far north as the board of directors, the people that like are are you know the bosses bosses, uh, all the way down to the most junior members of an organization across functional groups, and then we'd also extend that to include customers as well. And even, you know, suppliers, if you want to go upstream. So maybe, maybe more of a globe, <laughs> less of a compass <laughs> if we're making this three-dimensional. Um, but the importance of gathering qualitative and quantitative feedback is so important for the leadership to make strategic decisions that are, that are based in 
the the a true current state of the organization. But the other thing that I'd say that's so important too is just the process of gathering that data and the team's engagement and alignment in a process like like a strategic plan. And this extends far beyond the purposes of just a strategic planning process. But uh, it's just so important. And what we what we saw in various occasions throughout the year was just how engaged the the teams themselves got in uh, in the decisions and in the actions that the, that the leaders were taking. So. Uh, it's something that it's a discipline. It's it's a challenge. It it requires intentionality and investment of time and resources uh, to 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 go out and and do that. But engaging stakeholders was and the importance of that. Obviously, we we've known that's really important, but we just saw that play <laughs> out many times this past year. Yeah, and we heard it a lot from a lot of our podcast guests as well. So throughout this episode, we'll be weaving in some of the feedback from our guests. Um, but this came up a lot, right? I mean, we heard it from Brett Hampson. We heard it from Krista Covey. We heard it from so many of our podcast guests around the importance of engaging your team in a strategic plan, having that alignment. So that's definitely number one on our list this year. You mentioned that we, as we started off that there's, there's so many things that First Flight does, right? The, you kind of bucketed them into kind of the categories of kind of having that space and that community piece of it for entrepreneurs, you know, having this exceptional programming in terms of kind of supporting entrepreneurs at different stages of their company, and then also kind of giving them ways to either access funding or kind of build revenue, right? So kind of what does that piece look like? And and how do you and your team kind of prioritize those, you know, juggle the different competing priorities? Obviously, we're all coming out of a very change-oriented year. So, you know, you talk about having a small team, and I think there's a lot of leaders who who are listening to this podcast saying, hey, I have a I have a smaller team, and we have a lot of big goals too. And we've noticed we had to adjust those. So how do you and your team kind of stay on top of the changing dynamics and, and kind of keep prioritizing things and working together through that change to serve your customers? Absolutely. So again, it's it's keeping, you know, the mission focused uh, when... We, we actually have a, a staff meeting every Monday, and we go down our top three priorities for the week uh, with each other. So everyone is abreast of, of what's happening, what the priorities are, and how we can support each other. So we have a lot of things on the list, but we absolutely take time to prioritize the, the top three. We also have big goals for the year uh, that we break down into three-month goals as well. So if you read Gino Wickman, it's the it's the rocks. It's the quarterly rocks. Mm. So we look at those um, on a regular basis, and you know every day is different. <laughs> and so we we do have a, a nimble, flexible team. And so um, you know the the other thing that that we keep in mind is you know we are serving entrepreneurs, and we ourselves have to be entrepreneurial, uh, which means. You know, how can we continue to deliver value uh, to those that we're serving? Um, and that might look differently tomorrow than it does today. And so we just have to um, be flexible. With that, Mike, I'll let you uh, reveal the number two learning we had this year. Number two, after gathering a lot of stakeholder input, whether that's, you know, at, at a tactical level from a, from a small team or a large organizational level in something like a strategic plan, you just got to make a decision. And and that's the role of the leader. And there's always going to be pros and cons. There's going to be divergent perspectives. And and oftentimes, if you gather enough feedback, there's different camps. You'll have you know one part of the organization that feels really strongly that the organization should, should make one decision and, and sort of an opposing camp that sometimes feels that the organization should make a totally different decision. So 
you need to engage your stakeholders. You need to understand the layout and the context uh, that that any decisions being made in. But some of the breakthroughs that we've seen with with some of our clients this past year and where things really started to roll and move forward was when the leader said, I understand I have a balanced perspective of the organization and I'm making a decision. This is what we're doing. And that that can be really hard to do for fear of, you know, alienating people in the organization that may feel differently. But the organization will not make forward progress <laughs> until that decision is made. And after it is, there's just everybody wins because there's clarity and there's purpose and the organization can move forward. So we often feel that's the role of the leader. You know, that's that leadership is making hard decisions with maybe not all the information that you want, but you got to make a decision and get the organization aligned behind it. Yeah, 100%. I, I couldn't have said it better, Mike. And I, I think that leaders, you know, especially this year are probably feeling a little decision fatigue, right? There's been so many changing things. They've had to make a lot of these decisions. And um, but it's so important, right? Because teams are looking to their leader for clear guidance and clear support and a clear, you know, kind of vision of what's next. And so that has become critical. And, and you also heard this come up a, a bunch of times in, in our podcast from from guests like John Jones at Anthroware to Michelle Trotz and her accounting firm. People were always talking about as a leader, it's really important to to kind of be able to talk through these things with your team, get their input, but then also be decisive because your decisiveness helps your team stay aligned. They know exactly what the next step is and the analysis is over. And we're going to, we might not win. We might fail at whatever we decide, but we'll learn from that and we'll move on to the next thing, right? But you have to get to the action phase because if you don't get to action, you can't measure your results. And if you can't measure your results, you don't know if it worked. And so being confident in a leader uh, is a, a definitely a, a key learning from this year. How do you set that lighthouse? When you set the strategic direction for the firm, how do you guys... How do you guys do that? Is that a leadership decision? Is that a, do you engage different team members in, in that conversation? Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's a lot easier to, to poke at something if, if you've, if you've got a picture to start with, right? Like if, if you have a starting place already defined, it's easier to see issues with it or see things to get excited about. Mm -hmm. So I'll generally throw something out on paper. And then we talk about it as a leadership team. And then, you know, we, we share with the team and have, have a feedback session around that. And that goes with financial goals. It goes with, you know, any, any kind of, you know, cultural goals we have or, you know, wealth building within the team, you know, mm -hmm. anything like that. We have a, we actually have a five-step process that we go through with our clients when it comes to a, like building like a winning product roadmap. And we generally drink our own Kool-Aid with that. You know, we, we're looking at the risks and opportunities. We are, you know, prior, prioritizing things. You know, we're going through a lot of the same activities that we go through with our clients, kind of minus the discovery phase because we we kind of know uh, that part already. But but yeah, you know, I, I think it's something that we revisit yearly, and along with an analysis of what's working, what's not working, what's missing from a leadership team, and then we we actually set like one of the things that COVID did. Because it forced me to learn some online collaboration tools like I'd never learned them before. Yeah. And I was able to set up some mural boards so our whole team could participate in the same exercise we did as a leadership team. And so, you know, the leadership team is ultimately responsible for carrying the stuff out. 
but the voice of the team is is most certainly heard there. You know, when you talk about uh, like it's doing it for us is easy, I would say, because we have really close collaborative stakeholders. And when it comes to goals, we're pretty aligned. It, it's amazing how aligned we are with the high level stuff. How we get there is where we argue and um, fight and stuff, but it, it's healthy, the healthy kind. One of the things we we did 2019, kind of late 2019. Tying those two points together, one, engaging stakeholders, and two, making a decision, uh, There, there's a tension there. And I think being clear in where where you are, if you're a leader and if you're working with your team, wh- where are you? Are we in information gathering mode? Are we in stakeholder engagement mode? Or are we in decision-making mode? And being clear with your team on on where you are in the process is important. Because if people, if you've made a decision and people still think that you're in stakeholder engagement mode and people are still giving you feedback that challenges that decision, that's not helpful for anybody. That information is important and you need to gather it in phase one. After you've made a decision, it's time for the team to line up behind that vision and and get behind it so that so that the team can work together as one organization pursuing one vision. I think our learning number three kind of brings these together as well. And, you know, as we thought about what was our third learning of the year, we thought about the importance of, you know, as you know, we were thinking about strategic planning a lot, obviously, we were doing a lot of those projects is the importance of having the steadfast vision, the steadfast vision as a as a leader, right? You you want to be planning of like, what is what is our vision? And, and your vision may be unreachable, frankly, right? It's your ambitious goal. It's like the thing that you would want to achieve if you could achieve anything. But it gives us all that rallying cry and that shared purpose. So your vision isn't changing. It's steadfast. But as a leader, you need to figure out how to be flexible in executing against that vision, right? And so many leaders have experienced this, right? Like dynamics of the way that consumers are shopping, consumer expectations are changing. We're all living in a just a, a little bit of a, you know, ever-changing landscape, right? Things are coming at us every day. And um, we were talking this morning about supply chain and how the supply chain is unpredictable. And and so I think one of the things that we've heard a lot from leaders um, across a lot of different podcasts was you definitely need to have a vision, but you also need to have this flexibility and execution. And Tracy Sponnenberg, for me, was one of those podcast guests that that really talked to this flexibility and also kind of, I think it brings these other two pieces together, right? Because some of the ways that you're flexible is that you're gathering that input, but you're also making clear decisions and and keeping moving and keeping that forward momentum going. Tracy, I'm so curious to hear more about that term that you said earlier, psychological safety. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there are a lot of employees that had roles that required them to go into physical locations, and maybe they weren't as comfortable doing that. How do you balance those priorities of obviously you need to run the business, but then also create a a safe workspace for your employees? So uh, very beginning of March last year, we got out early um, and formed a COVID response committee, which is made up of a few of us on the executive team. And we saw the need to figure out what the heck was going on pretty early and, and reassure our people. So we committed to daily communications um, at least once a day, every day. And we did this for probably four to five months. Um, Videos from our CEO most days, if not emails on the days they weren't. And not only that, but offered up 
my cell phone number, his personal cell phone number, and invited that two-way communication and people to reach out to us um, at any time for any reason. And I think at, at a time when we weren't traveling, we were trying to put a halt on inter-branch travels, we call our locations branches, as much as we could because we didn't know who had what and, and how to, That was, even before the masking, you know, it was it, it was scary. So we did everything that we could to open those lines of communication, listen to our people and keep them safe. And a lot of the ideas that we put in place for safety came from our people. And we got them very, very involved um, super early on, including having one of our people recommend a seamstress that we commissioned to sew 1,200 masks for before masks wow. were widely available and you know, putting up plexiglass barriers and making them and putting um, barriers in front of where we stood and our customers, which these are all ideas that came from our people. So I think as companies, uh, we're going to do the best if we, and this is a novel idea, actually listen to our team members. But Mike would love to hear how, you know, you as a leader balance this and, and kind of how you've, how you've seen leaders balance this in 2021. Yeah, I, I think there's there's obviously so many applications of this. And I think that the big thing is using using your vision of the organization as a tool and saying, are decisions that we're making helping us progress toward that vision? If the answer is yes, how you do that can really vary. And and so just tactically a couple examples. We we did a, a workshop a couple of weeks ago and it was a hybrid workshop and it was something that our client had never done before. From something as tactical as running a hybrid, you know, couple day working session, that was being flexible in in the approach while saying, okay, we have a a goal, we have deliverables that need to be met. How do we accomplish that? That's one really tactical example. Then there's a million other things. You know, when when something happens in the business and you need to pivot and adapt, it's important to give yourself the room to say, we had a plan, we now need to jump to a contingency. So. I, I was joking with with Tracy and and Claire, who who you all know now uh, before this podcast, for for you know my my business keepsake tales. We we had a a supply chain issue where we had a strong plan that we were working towards, and something fell apart in the supply chain, and we didn't get the thing that we needed. So we had to be extraordinarily flexible in how we got the job done, and I ended up going and finding a different partner that was able to work on a very quick, quick turnaround and, you know, ended up driving three hours <laughs> uh, earlier this week in order to get the product that we needed for a big marketing initiative. So uh, there's a lot of ways that that plays out, but just being clear and saying, what's the vision that we as an organization must accomplish? And then how we accomplish it, obviously make sure, you know, it's, it's ethical and it's, you know, lawful and everything, but but making sure that good that caveats, you, good caveats. Yeah. You know, <laughs> don't go totally rogue in your pursuit of your organizational vision. Like make sure that you're doing it in, in the right ways. But um, but being flexible in how you accomplish the goals of the organization is something that is, is important. And we've seen organizational flexibility and the 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 ability to to be nimble when something breaks down and to to move quickly to contingency plans. Um, yes. is so important. 
hundred percent. And I think when we when we think about this agility, agility is probably the most uh, overused word of twenty twenty one, or at least up among the top five, right? So it's a jo- a it's, a buzzword. It's, a, it's a buzzword. It's a we, buzzword. We 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 use it all the time. We're hundred percent guilty of using agility. Um, but agility is important, right? As you want your organization to be flexible, and as you want your team to be able to respond. So one of the things that we think is one of those top themes for twenty twenty one is empowering your team to be agile, right? And how do you do that? You help them build new skills. You help them build their team's skills and help them develop a stronger team. And and you help them do that with a shared framework, right? And, and that was a lot of our reason why we developed Teams Global, right? We wanted to have an online e-learning platform that kind of broke the mold, so to speak, of corporate training, made it fun and engaging, made it so people could train on their own time because we're we're all way too busy and we have so many factors that are changing our daily schedule and and so for us you know learning and empowering and develop yourself and your career but also your team has been a really big theme in our work um Mike and Claire and and the rest of the teams and co team have been so focused on teams global and and just really providing people with this exceptional learning platform but we're not the only ones, right? There's a, we spoke with Clyde Brown at our triad and, and they have a great learning platform that's specifically around kind of the IT sector and cybersecurity and, and upskilling people and helping them develop their careers within IT uh, called No One. And, and he talked a lot about this, this, you know, the value of learning and the value of developing. So at the conception of our triad, you know, we came out with no one. Oh, it's this new, you know, learning and career development community. Right. And we went out talking to people like that and people like, what? What is that? What do you mean? We're looking for training. We're looking for training. Career and development. What? What does that mean? Right. So what we saw quickly is no one could, you know, conceptualize what we were talking about. But what we did real quickly after, you know, beating our head for a while and going in rooms with uh, leadership at the C-level, you know, talking to the state and so on and so forth, it was like what we decided is why don't we give them what they want, right, which is training, and then we start to introduce them to what career development really is and how valuable it is to organization. Because, Tracy and, and Mike, if you think about it, when you think about learning and education, education is is comprised of probably three things, right? Knowledge, right, is is one, right? You know, but then there's skills. So that's the mentoring and coaching, the hands-on, the doing type stuff. Uh, and then we, we we think the other piece of it is disposition. Hmm. So when you think about the disposition component, there's a guy John C. Lee Brown or what have you. He talks about this, and one of the things that he's talking about is from a disposition perspective, learning you know, different ways, being immersed into something different, a whole different culture or adventure, right? And feeling comfortable in that. Until you can feel comfortable in that new way of doing things, you're probably not going to do it. So in short, that's kind of how we at our triad had to eat our own dog food and pivot. So through that process of talking about learning, career and development, everybody's like, no, I won't train. I won't train. I won't train. <laughs> You know, you think about it, you get training, you still don't know how to do it, right? You just you just learn some language, so to speak, right? There, there's an instinct that you develop when you actually do. And you yeah. instinctively know what the next step is. So 
Uh, we had to pivot. We had to go. We actually now we're a CompTIA certified trainer. So we brought on some trainers and, and now we're, we're, you know, we're talking training. Everybody's like, oh, hey, let's let's talk. Let's, it's the context and we had to reposition ourselves. So. Well, it's great that you were open to that, right? I mean, a lot of organizations don't know their customers that well. And the great thing about what I'm hearing in your story is our triad, you know, you guys went out, you talked about what you thought you wanted to talk about, and then you heard from other people like, no, that's, that's not really what we want. We want this other thing. Yeah. So you, you shifted tact, right? And that's and that's how you're successful. That's how organizations, and I think it's a, a great lesson for all of our listeners around the way to be successful is to give your customers the thing they find valuable. And then give them something more they didn't know was valuable, right? And so that's where your kind of career development comes in, where you're saying, hey, we know you find training valuable, so we're going to give you training, but we're also going to show you why career development is important. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we should, we should stick with our triad. We're getting, we're getting more than we ever bargained for. This is great. <laughs> I mean, if you look now, Tracy, uh, I'm sure you're starting to see it more the assets are the employees, right? So you're yeah. starting to see the Googles, the Microsofts, the Cisco, the big players talking about training, but also development of the employee. So we were touting this, you know, year, two years ago. And, and it was like, now that you're hearing the big boys talk about it, organizations are looking at, yeah, my assets are important. How do I actually start to, you know, retain my employees? How do I get yeah. value out of, you know, their career development. So I think for all of us, we've, we've probably learned this, but Mike, I know you've been especially focused on Teams Global and learning, and you probably have a ton more insights around, you know, why teams are looking for this, you know, new level of training to, to build agility. Yeah, I think it was Richard Branson who said that it's the role of the leader to equip the team so that they can get a job anywhere where they're super marketable and then to create a culture that means that that they never want to leave that organization. And I think in that way, it, it really is the role of the leaders of the organization to upskill the team and to give them the the skill sets and the tools to make them marketable and able to to go and, and use their skills and their experience anywhere and to get paid well for doing it. And then obviously, there's a lot of other ways that we talk about in this podcast for many, many episodes to create a culture where the employees don't want to, to leave. But I think that where we have put a lot of our focus and time is saying, we do think a lot about teams and about team engagement and about the development of organizational culture. And that's an area where we've heard our clients and Tracy, I know a big part of the reason you started Teams & Co. in the first place was because you didn't see organizations consistently adopting or practicing a lot of the things that that we just do. So 100%. that was our our really big effort was saying, we've identified this as just a gap where there's, there's not a lot of trainings in how to accomplish these things. And we think it's super important. And we've heard that from our clients. So uh, we spent a ton of time figuring out for ourselves, like, how do we develop e-learning content that that actually works? And and we're really excited. And we think that we've accomplished that through Teams Global. So we've learned a lot in the process of creating content to hopefully teach other people in a really strong way how to accomplish these sort of cultural competencies and, and team building within their own organizations. A hundred percent. And I think, uh, you know, it's a great segue, Mike, because our number five major learning or major kind of trend of 2021 
was we believe that teams are still the most important part of an organization, right? And so we've heard this time and time again from our podcast guests. We've heard it time and time again from our organizations. People like being part of a team. Um, It's one of the major reasons people stay at a company is they feel like they're part of a team. They feel like their team values them. They feel like they, you know, appreciate the work of their team around them. Obviously, the leader's role is important in that because the leader is part of the team. Um, But we don't always do enough to support our teams, right? There's a lot of gaps where we say, hey, people have goals. I don't know why they're not achieving them. And it's like, well, are the goals aligned across the team? Are the team goals aligned across marketing and finance and IT? Like, are we all reaching for the same set of goals? And are we all reaching towards the same, you know, shared view of what success looks like? And I mean, probably one of my favorite conversations, just because we got to talk about teams so much, <laughs> was our conversation with Ann Jones from District C and and all about their teamship model and and how they help students learn how to be a part of a team. And that way, when they when they come into the workforce, they're ready and equipped to not only be individual contributors, but team contributors and, and really work towards that shared success of, of solving complex problems and Let's be real. Today, all of our challenges seem super complex, and we need people who can work together as a team. So it's not only about individual employee engagement. It's not only about leadership development. It's about how do all the individuals come together and create a really strong team. And so to me, that was something that was super important in 2019 when I started Teams & Co. And selfishly, it has uh, not changed, actually. (laughs) So... We've snuck this into the top five, but really do believe it's a theme that we've heard across the podcast and across our clients and, and and a lot throughout 2021 of, you know, how do you keep teams being effective, even though they're experiencing all this change? Maybe some are working virtually, some are working in hybrid situations. Like there's been so many dynamics around effective teams that have come to the forefront and really hopefully reminded leaders and organizations why taking that extra step to build a strong team is absolutely imperative for your success. I was kind of chuckling when you said that people don't think that you can invest and build in teams because um, we hear that as well. And it's like, no, that's entirely what we do all day, right? That's right. Is we help you build a, a team that's empowered and, and agile. And and it is a it is a built skill, right? I think a lot of times people think of this, you know, teamwork as like a soft skill, it's actually the most critical thing we do. If you think about it in an organization, there's very few times you deliver something all by yourself, right? Like no input from anybody. That's That's a very, very rare occurrence, right? So sometimes it will happen, but not very often. And and we say the same thing, which is it comes down to those fundamentals, right? It's the same thing where, you know, when you're playing on a basketball team, you know, you have to learn how to, to pass, right? You have to learn how to shoot. You have to learn the basics before you can put it all together, the thing I wonder about with the projects is how do you see that, you know, we usually say kind of there's there's phases to teams and you've you've probably heard the old adage storming, norming, forming, performing, you know. Yes. How do you start to see teams, you know, kind of come together and, and how do you see the team members themselves start to build that leadership skill of individual leadership, right? Of like, hey, when I'm on a team, I don't need to be the manager to be able to be a leader. How do you see that kind of progress through this this year that they may do? 
Yeah, let me um, go back quickly to a comment you made too about the fundamentals. So, so yeah. there's a really important piece that we do here that's related to kind of how they come together and how this work works. So thanks for teeing up the, uh, the sports uh, analogy there. So let's use talk, them all the time. <laughs> let's talk basketball um, <laughs> while we're at it. So, right, I do think there is something to dribbling drills, right? Left, right, crossovers, you know, all of those things, passing drills, shooting drills. Um, but imagine if that's all you ever got to do. Right. <laughs> like you wouldn't be very good at the game of basketball. So, like, I think a great thing that we can learn in education and, and learning world, right, whether that be in schools or through professional environments, people need, yes, you need practice on the fundamentals, but you need opportunities to put them in action and, and be using those fundamentals in context with coaching feedback and, and very much in, in the spirit of a coach feedback, right? Like you can't play the game for them. You've got to let them play, but you can still give feedback. So I want to just sort of, that is very much our approach in terms of supporting students to get better at this work. So to your question, the fundamentals for us, I'm going to just give three tools. And I know tools is kind of a, some language that you all use too, but tools are behaviors. Tools are things people do in high-performing teams. That is our version of dribbling, passing, and shooting, right? So, so I'll give you three tools that we talk about. The questioning tool, again, I know this is not rocket science, but we'll dig into that a little bit more, right? Because there's dribbling and then there's like Kyrie Irving dribbling, right? I mean, so like there's that. Uh, there's a tool we call Take 5, which is literally just teaching people the discipline of staying with one person on the team, even up for five minutes, and just being invested in them and their ideas and their perspectives and trying to get into their head. And that, again, it's a super simple tool, but you got to fight our instinct, which is you're just, we're always so in our head. Same problem with questioning. You're so in your own head, you're really asking questions to make a point. So, so those, those tools, questioning and take five, help start shifting people to begin to learn how to come together, which is your question, right? How do you do that? Well, we teach people new behaviors new ways of working. They practice those a little bit. We introduce them. We explain them as tools and how do you get power out of the tool and, and you know, right? But most importantly, let's get in the game. Let's start working yeah. in a team and solving a problem for a business and using these tools and we'll coach you along the way. The third tool is solo flight, right? This was sort of inspired by Susan Cain's book, Quiet, right? The power of introverts in a world that can't mm. stop talking. She talks about introverts being their most productive and creative and solo flights of thought. So we create this tool that says, hey, look, create that space for, if anything, the introverts on your team, if you want to leverage the diverse strengths of everyone on your team. Those three tools, huge. It's dribble, pass, shoot. I mean, boom, there it is, right? So that is how they start to come together, is developing those new habits, those new ways of working, but understanding it not as a compliance exercise, not as my teacher told me to do this, so I am doing this. As my coach is coaching me on how to play this game better, how to play this game at a high level. It's, it's a huge shift. And again, that's why I say, why are we doing this? School world and the real world, too far apart. School world, do what you're told, follow instructions, I'll lay it out for you. That is not the real world. So we've got to make that shift and give kids more opportunities to do that. Um, Mike, I could go on and on for, for hours about teams, so I'll stop and uh, turn it over to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I learned a ton from our conversation with Anne. The concept of teamship is something that I 
I had recognized, but I had never had a word to describe it before. So I'd really encourage our listeners, if you haven't already, go back and check out that episode and and listen to how Anne talks about it and describes it. But we focus a lot in our culture on the concept and the purpose of leadership. And we know how important that is. There, there's no question there. But um, I think the way that District C is approaching this concept in particular for students is so powerful because students, you know, you're, you're taught to be leaders and be a team leader and all that. And certainly that's important. And, and, and there are absolutely applications and roles for that. But when you graduate this, this body of students, and, and I'll talk to my first job, you know, I had spent my whole life trying to be a leader. And then I came in and I'm the most junior member of some organization. And it's like, my role here, I'm not helpful as a leader. Like I need to learn to follow well. I need to learn to be a good team player, not necessarily be the leader. Like that's, I, I'm not equipped to do that yet. So teaching people how to work effectively together with people that might not look like or think like them and to be effective members of diverse teams is so important. And, and that's just something that, you know, as we look back and reflect on, you know, that that's something that I've been challenged by in saying, yes, I am a leader of, of my organization, but I'm also a team member. And how do I play more effectively in this teamship model, even in my role as a leader? And how do I equip and encourage other members of my team uh, to, to be really effective uh, team members? So that was something that I've I've reflected quite a bit on, and and I just really appreciate from that conversation. So as we talk through these podcasts, we obviously hope that they're great resources for uh, for our listeners. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, we're sitting here and learning a ton with every conversation a, as well. So, um, so true. Those are the 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 five key takeaways that that we had, and like we say, there's so many more things, and I'm just so excited for this next season and just the the months and years ahead where we can continue learning together and and just this spirit of continuous improvement and continuous learning I I I just love it and I'm I'm so glad that we have this as a venue to come together as a community and and learn and grow together so um I'm just super appreciative for all of the the guests that have come on I can't wait for a lot of the guests that we have this coming year and Tracy for for your leadership in getting this whole organization stood up so that we can so that we can have these great conversations. Well, I think it's a it's a joy. I, I as everybody on this podcast knows, I was a bit tentative about the podcast, and um, and Luis, one of our our team members, was a big advocate for it, and I still applaud him every day for this idea. I think it was just a really nice way for us to engage people in the community and engage people in the conversation around what does you know teams mean to a lot of other people. It's been fun along the way. We've actually gotten to be on other people's podcasts. So Mike mentioned culture. We were, you know, I got to be a guest on uh, the Talking Ship, uh, S-H-I-P. Uh, it's, a, it's a podcast for about entrepreneurship and venture Asheville. And we had a great conversation with Jeff Kaplan and, and his team around culture and, and how do you, you know, help your teams. That was also an interesting learning in 2021, how to be the podcast guest, not the podcast host. <laughs> But yeah, I think the podcasting has really opened up this door in this conversation that obviously we always got to speak to our customers and our clients, but it gives us a whole, a much bigger audience to to have these conversations with. So to Mike's point, a, a big thank you to all of our listeners in 2021. We hope you stick around for 2022 and invite some new friends. Uh, we hope you leave us a review. We love your feedback. We love all the questions that we get um, and just really appreciate all of your support in 2021. So 
thanks everybody. We'll uh, see you next week for uh, a look ahead, right? We, we Now that we've looked back, now we want to look ahead to 2022. So we will see you for our looking ahead episode. <laughs> Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Building Teams with Teams & Co. To learn more about the latest thinking on how to empower your team to deliver exceptional results or to book a consultation, please visit us at teamsandco.com or follow us at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Mention of particular products or services and participation of a guest does not imply an endorsement by Teams & Co. The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as professional advice.